Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Coming up on this show... The Everton winning machine keeps on going. They reach their first FA Cup final in six years and put six past Villa. Time then for us to hear from inside the dressing room with midfielder Izzy Christensen joining us. Yeah, that's coming up in just a mo. Arsenal are the only other side with a 100% league record so far as they came from behind to beat Bristol City. They remain top of the table. And we've finally seen American debuts in the WSL, just not that one. Uh, whilst we wait for Alex Morgan at Spurs, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press come off the bench in Man United's win over Brighton. You know the drill. I'm Lindsay Hooper. And I'm Kate Borsay. And this week we're joined by the editor of She Kicks magazine, Jen O'Neill. Welcome onto the show, Jen. It's been ages. In fact, the last time we spent some decent time with you was inside Spurs, wasn't it, for that North London derby? Yeah, it seems a long time ago when there were... 20, nearly 30,000 fans in the stadium. But it was fun. Thanks for having me back. (laughs) What a different time it was, Jen. Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, How has this been for you as an experience now covering women's football? You know, the remote press conferences and I don't know exactly how she kicks are covering things at the moment. It's Well, we we carried on producing the magazines because people pay for them and we got nice feedback from folk, certainly early on in lockdown because it was sort of a bit of refreshing uh, reminder of you know how the world was or football still exists and it was a bit of a break from their day-to-day I think the whole zoom and sort of online press conference thing I think that'll be here to stay afterwards I think it's worked for the women's game in some respects because it allows the coverage to be wider because one reporter for a newspaper cannot physically get to five pre-match press conferences True. around the country so it's I hope expensive it's, as well isn't it yeah yeah I think I think it's yeah, opened it up in that in that sense. From a she kicks point of view, we're just over all of the news as much as we can be and getting magazines out. And some players are a little bit more stiff to talk to on, <laughs> online. It's, are it's you going to reveal any names here, Jen? No, it's it, but it's understandable, isn't it? And then others are very very good, and I, I suppose that's just the that's the nature of of the beast. So we've yeah. been fine. I haven't been to a game though for for quite a long time. And it's also been good for us, hasn't it, Linz, in terms of our website crew, a lot of which is voluntary. You know, we can't afford to send people here, there and everywhere. And it's difficult to ask people to do that in their spare time sometimes. But it's obviously easier for them to log on to a press conference and it gives us access to some great players. We saw with Tobin Heath and Kristen Press as well, just how many people were interested in that. And then I know, you know, Lindsay, you spoke to Alex Morgan. Well, in fact, there was an Alex Morgan press conference that, you know, perhaps didn't go as smoothly as it should do I don't know whether I'm being unkind there not for broadcast I think the audio quality was a bit poor but for for written press I think they had a field day there were over 40 people on that uh, on that press conference and yeah I think Jen hits on a really good point because if you're paying to try and send people to these things I think there were press conferences that were being staged and put on pre-covid that were having maybe one journalist turn up at different times and I think now you're definitely getting more people showing up online so I think she's right I think it probably will continue like this and that will help and the other thing to bring into this as well Jen is how many fixtures there are at the moment if you were having to hold these physically in person it's quite an ask of journalists to be able to go to two or three a week at the moment because there's quite a lot Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of the national newspapers obviously have dedicated reporters now and they, they can't they just can't do three, four games over three, four days. It's it's not it's not really physically possible. 
it's a problem for the players as well, I think. Hearing from a couple of managers over the last week or so, their frustration is that they had, what, six months of lockdown and then they come back, they have two matches and then they have three weeks off. This is some of the teams in the WSL and then they're into a three-game week now and that's not including the, the teams that had cup matches midweek last week. So it's just a big ask and they're finding that they're getting lots of little niggly injuries. We had Glasgow City conditioning guy uh, speaking to us a few weeks ago saying about the groin injuries they had preparing mm-hmm. for Champions League and at United they're saying they've got quite a few quad injuries and that's just because you can't replicate striking a ball if you're in or the, you know the unpredictability of a football match even if you're pretty fit and training on your own it's just not the same so it's a big ask for players and there's a question mark I think over player welfare in, in the scheduling and- of the Conti Cup this midweek. What do we think about crowds in stadiums I mean obviously in terms of the men's game a lot of that has been put on hold hasn't it but there have been examples of it going ahead and we saw fans um, at Dagenham didn't we for West Ham's game against Arsenal there is a discussion and I know it's been picked up a lot on Twitter this week about actually could it be sensible could it be easier than many people think to get fans back at women's games and I know that Susie Rapp from The Guardian has been speaking about this and saying look in, in terms of Manchester City's Academy Stadium you could bring fans back pretty easily. Um, and as she points out, if it's possible for her son's school, same with my kids as well, to do tiered entrance and exits, so, you know, staggered times of entrance and exits, surely it's possible to think about that for the women's game as well, Jen? Well, it does seem incongruous to have crowds at certain sort of National League men's games. You know, Lewis can have crowds for the men, but they can't have crowds for the for the women's team in the championship so it does seem that with a little bit of extra work, it would be possible and there shouldn't be any real sort of safety endangerment. At the same time, I think resources-wise, some general managers are having enough trouble herding cats, as it were, to look after their players within a bubble. This is a big demand on on groups of, of people who are already managing clubs and trying to get everything as right as possible. And with the speed and, and sometimes the the lack of clarity about local and regional lockdowns at the moment that are being brought in. It, it might be difficult at short term to for, for clubs to manage. But you do see crowds at, at lower down the pyramid, so it, it just, it just does, doesn't seem consistent, does it? And it, it should no. be something that could happen soon. Come on. Let's, let's turn it. <laughs> uh, still to come, we'll hear from Alex Morgan, as we've already said. I got to speak to her at the press conference last week and we'll round up all the action involving the so-called big three so-called, Arsenal, Man City and Chelsea. But we'll start with the surprise package of the season so far. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Deans Media and The Athletic. Claire Emsley is onside as she takes it round Vice. Can she finish? Yes, she can. A second in the afternoon for Claire Emsley. Everton leads 6-0. Well, you say so-called big three and look, Everton have a great chance, don't they, Lindsay, of breaking into that top three. Five wins out of five since football returned and an FA Cup final to look forward to. Willie Kirk's side beat Birmingham 3-0 in last week's semi-final and followed that up with a 6-0 thrashing of Aston Villa three days later in the WSL. We know that the signings have been good, Jen. We know that the investment in that side is more than we've seen previously and that's and that's paying off. Just give us your your opinion on Everton. Are we perhaps overestimating what they might do with the season or does this genuinely look as exciting and as good a story as we think it might be? 
Well, we all crack on about momentum, don't we? And you know, if, the, if a club has a feel-good vibe about it, then Everton's certainly certainly the one across the men's and the women's teams' performances. I, I just think that they've got the chemistry right. The signing of Valerie Gonvin in the summer was pretty much the first big wow moment. Yes, certainly I agree. in our in our office. I say yeah. office in inverted commas because we're not in the same place. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and that was a that was a real statement and quite a coup by the club. And we're already starting to see, you know, game by game as she gets her her fitness and sharpness back. Why that was such a statement signing. Um, Willie's a great manager, Willie Kirk, and sometimes overlooked is the fact that he's got Chris Roberts there working with him. He he's got ten, eleven, twelve years worth of, of history of working as a team at Hibs and he said that that would have been a deal breaker if they hadn't allowed him to bring him into Everton so what he's done there to turn it around is is great but they've got the core of players who've been there for years and seen it through the the slight dips Gabby George Daniel Turner for example so they get the core of the club and the ethos but then to bring in some of the players he's brought in and I'm sure you've already mentioned because you, you're speaking to her Izzy Christensen is on fire and it's lush to see her back mm-hmm. enjoying her football again and reminding us what an absolute talent and joy she is to to see as a player but they've got a real good thing going and they're, they're so exciting to watch going forward. Lindsay I think what's stood out for me as well is that Willie Kirk's actually got some squad depth to play with. Both Claire Emsley and uh, Hayley Resso were rested midweek for the FA Cup semi-final. And we saw that pay off in dividends, didn't we, with this WSL game? Yeah, a little bit of rotation, you know, nowhere near on the sort of scale that we, we see with Chelsea and even with Manchester City, but he has got some. And I think that could be the key factor that could see Everton break into the three or four if that is to happen this season. If it doesn't happen this season, they're well equipped for it to happen maybe next season. I, I think the thing that surprised me the most is how well the new signings have really gelled and clicked but I think from you know what Jen said, there is a spine to the team and he's carefully selected players that have just slotted in. They've just gone about their business and they seem to know what their role is within this Everton side. And it, it doesn't look like there's too much work that's needed. I mean, it's made it look seamless. Obviously, behind the scenes, Willie's done great things pre-season. And, and I think the pre-season could be key as well here. But... I, I'm really, really impressed with how quickly they have all clicked together. Um, Govan, by the way, I'm just wondering, Jen, I'm going to throw this one at you. Is she the best headerer yes. in the WSL? After Frank Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> After Frank Kirby's <laughs> Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, God, you've got to love a diving header. And you don't see many of them in the women's game, do you? And whilst we're talking about strikers, um, a mention for Hayley Rasso in this one. I I thought that she she was easily one of the standout players yeah. on the pitch. Well, also Claire Emsley as well. You know, both of them have come via Australia. OK, Emsley was at Orlando Pride, I think, and then went to Melbourne on loan and is in the WSL. But we're talking so much about these uh, American signings that we need to big up the Aussies, I think. <laughs> yeah. I agree. It's a bit of an invasion. We've done quite a few interviews with them um, in the magazine and Russell we got a couple of months ago, which was a bit of a coup because she, was, yeah. she wasn't really speaking to people at the time. And she was really excited after having spoken to Willie Kirk about what was happening at Everton. Uh, do you know the hairband she wears? Her nan makes them in the colours of any kit that she Yeah. She's a, a tough character, as you know, from what she's been through injury-wise in the past. And I, I think she's 
probably really enjoying it at a club that plays in such a, a positive manner. And what about Villa, Jen? You know, it was, it was always going to be tough after promotion. Should Gemma Davis be worried? How how should she handle this? Because it's not it's not gone well. Should she have expected it to go well? I mean, how does she how does she work around this? I think that it was tougher the fairly short pre-season and mm. weird way in which clubs had to, to train together initially in small groups, etc. That whole scenario was much more difficult for a club like Villa making this big leap up and trying mm. to bring in new players than, than for any other sides in the WSL. So they already have that slight sort of starting disadvantage. And then the the big players that she brought in, like Neats, is only just getting into the team after yeah. sort of in, injuries and niggles. There's no need to panic because nothing's going to change, is it, from the games that they've played. And they're seeing signs that it, it's starting to, to come together. It's going to be tough. I think if they thought any differently, then they were kidding themselves. So the Everton camp, we know, must be a very happy one at the moment. I've been speaking to their England international, Izzy Christensen. Hey, Izzy, thanks very much for speaking to us. I imagine right now you're on top of the world, FA Cup finalists joint top of the league and win, win, win at Everton. <laughs> yeah, um, things things have started off pretty well, to say the least. We've been working incredibly hard and I'm not going to get too ahead of myself, but I think everybody associated with the club is, is delighted with the way things have gone so far. And what are you putting that down to? Is that the sort of characters that Willie's brought in? Is it a combination of things? I know that obviously he's got Chris Roberts working with him as well. What would you say it is? I think, I mean, a snowball of everything, really. I think that we've got incredible backing from the club, from, from the board, and, and the, the investment in the women's team has been significant over the last sort of 12 months, uh, to say the least. And I think that what we're now striving towards is, is being top, top three team. We've got a great kind of staff group who are all kind of diverse in their own ways. And I think we've managed really well. I think that we've got great characters within the team. We've got good team morale. We've got good team spirit. We've got players that want to learn. We've got experience. We've got youth. We've got a fantastic group. And yeah, I mean, during lockdown, I think that was a really good kind of indication for how we're gonna how we're gonna fare come the start of the season and how things were gonna work. And the club never once did I feel kind of out of control of the situation. I think regardless of of what's been going on in the outside world, I think that I always felt supported and and kind of assured that everything that that once we did return to football was was taken care of. And I think that. Everything for me seems to have run like clockwork so far and we are aware that we're going to experience kind of bumps in the road and and hardships but it's about getting through them and I think the team spirit we've got means that we'll be able to handle those pretty well. We could go right through the team just heaping praise at the moment, literally 1 to 11 and even past that because we talked about depth in squad actually as part of this podcast as well. I do want to single out uh, one of the new signings. Let, let's talk about Govan because she was bought in. And I think that was one of the moments, certainly in the transfer window, which made everyone sit up and go, oh, Everton have signed an absolute worldie here. And Willie, I think, has even been quite vocal himself in saying that he said he had to pinch himself about it. And certainly when you signed as well, he talked in those words. Uh, Was that the sort of signing that really excited you as well? I felt comfortable that whoever the club were going to bring in was going to be for the right reasons and part of, of the jigsaw that we're building. And I think that Valerie... It's been superb since she since she walked through the door. It's not easy going abroad 
moving out of your comfort zone, speaking another language, all of those things, which I know as sort of first-hand experience are difficult. Um, but the way in which she's kind of settled in, I mean, things have not been easy for her because she's she had a little bit of a knock in training. Um, she wasn't training fully with the team, so it was difficult for her to integrate herself. And as a new player in a club, you want to be you want to be 100% fit from the get-go because it gives you a chance to integrate on the pitch. And I think Valerie's done a done a great job of just being herself. She's trying really hard with with speaking English. It helps that myself and Maeve Clemoron in the team as well. We both both speak French. Mav more native speaking than me, but I can kind of try and help translate on the pitch for Valerie as well at times. And I think with that kind of support, she's able to engross herself into the style of play that that we that we're doing. And and yeah, I mean her performances were spoken for themselves really so far. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult coming into a team and and then as a, as a striker, you just you want to score a goal and get yourself off the mark as soon as possible. And and that's exactly what she's done. And she's I think she scored four in five maybe I could be wrong with those stats but I mean as a striker at any level in any league in the world those are pretty formidable stats so yeah she's she's off to a flyer and obviously bringing her into the team's been a superb kind of bit of business by the club. Have you ever seen someone with such a strong header that she's got? No it's funny because both her goals I've been in the box behind her hoping that she'd miss it and then I was there. No, she's two superb finishes. Like she's, um, yeah, the way in which she she generates power. Both both of her latest goals have been diving headers. Yeah, and the way in which she's kind of got across her marker at the front post and and scored. I think yeah, the keepers had no chance on both occasions. And I think that's the that's why she is labelled as one of the top strikers in the world and her finishing ability with with pace and kind of venom and so far so good that she's brought that to Everton. And your performances have not passed anybody by. I think, you know, the behind the closed doors England game, so many journalists I spoke to said you were the standout player. In the WSL, lots of people have been have been noticing that they're saying, oh, it's the old Izzy Christensen back, right? I guess from your injury onwards, is this you feeling back to where you were again? Is this as good as it feels? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm absolutely delighted with the way in which the season has begun personally and collectively. But I think that any kind of individual success is a result of, of a team being being good. I mean, I'm in an environment which which I'm loving. I'm thriving off it and thriving off the challenges, the, the competition and and the kind of, yeah, the, the challenges that, that we face day to day that, that people know nothing about. And I'm, I'm just enjoying enjoying my football. And I think that it's so easier said than done that a player who who's smiling and enjoying their football is a player who's performing. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm personally, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. I was delighted to be called back into the England squad. Came as somewhat a surprise. Um, I never expected to be called in, but I was absolutely delighted the fact that Phil called me, and um, I just loved every second of being back with the Lionesses and. Hopefully that I'm, I'm in consideration for the next squad as well. But like I say, my, my, as cliche as it sounds, my, my focus and my bread and butter is with Everton and I'm just enjoying being part of this team and hopefully that we've not done anything yet, we've not achieved anything yet and things are going to be difficult without a doubt. We've got an FA Cup final in four weeks' time to look forward to. The fact that Everton are going to go to Wembley and, and be playing against uh, Man City at Wembley is going to be one hell of an occasion for the club and... Um, yeah, I'm just taking everything as it comes in front of me and, and not getting too ahead of myself. There are some of your teammates who are talking top three. Are you even letting that be mentioned? <laughs> they can talk like that. I like that. Yeah, of course it can be mentioned. Of, there's no point in hiding what you want to achieve and what you want to, um, what your aims and objectives are. We, we've said we're open with with the fact that we want to 
we want to get top three. Um, we know that we can. And we're coming for the teams that whoever might be up there as well. But I think it's just exciting that, that the amount of belief and the, the, the kind of ambition within our squad at the moment is just going to keep driving us forward. And I think that it's great for the league as well. Heard so much talk about the foreign signings that have come in and and obviously yeah it strengthened the league and everything but like for me it's all about us now like all the talking's been done and, and we're just focusing on on what's next and, and hopefully another successful week this week. Izzy Christensen, Everton and England midfielder speaking to me there. Uh, Jen it's great to hear from Izzy. Uh, what do you think then because Hayley Rasso said that Everton could go top three this season. Is that possible? I think it is possible. Is it likely? I'm not sure. They've done so well to start with, but other than their Chelsea Cup win, their three wins in the league have been Bristol, Spurs and Villa. So there are bigger tests to come. And Jen, I hear that you can let us into a secret about Izzy Christian. She's obviously just just had a really nice chat to Lindsay there. But what might we not know about her? Well, because the world seems like a random place at the moment. In the latest issue of She Kicks, we had a random feature asking random WSL players an array of random questions and one of them was do you believe in life on other planets and our non-exhaustive survey of about 10 or 11 players <laughs> they all said that they did believe in in aliens oh. or life on other planets apart from Izzy Christensen Ooh. and it just shows you she's an independent thinker and I like that <laughs> a revolutionary amongst uh, amongst yeah, the other yeah she's not swayed she she to. knows what she thinks <laughs> While Bristol City haven't got time to ponder whether there's life on other planets, they're too busy letting in goals. Arsenal 3, Bristol City 1 was the result from the weekend. Although Arsenal did have to come from behind to beat bottom of the table, Bristol City 3-1. It wasn't quite the goal fest some were expecting, because if you do remember, Arsenal won this fixture 11-1 last season. So you could say that in this one, some progress (laughs) was made. A marked improvement. (laughs) Yes, and they had injuries as well. Um, so Tanya Oxtabib was kind of, it was, I liked how upbeat she was at the end. She'd been pragmatic, but upbeat about how well her team had done. Sophie Bagley, again, pulling off some great saves in goal. It's tough when you're facing the onslaught that Arsenal can bring to you. Um, <laughs> they're just incessant with their attack. It's It must be fairly daunting, but... Yeah, it seems weird to come away from a loss like that feeling good, but I think they have to take the the positives from that. And look, Viv Miedemar only managed to score one in kind of the last five minutes of the game as opposed to six. Wasn't it six she did? Yeah, and set up a few as well. Although she was wanting more, wasn't she? She was a little bit selfish, I thought, on occasion. Yeah, but the good news for Bristol is they did go one up first via Abby Harrison. So they were in the lead for quite actually a decent period of time until Jordan Nobbs came up and uh, just before half time managed to managed to get a goal in Caitlin Ford then in the second half followed by Viv Miedemar for Arsenal's goals. The role of Jordan Nobbs, I mean, should we be concerned at all, Jen, about this Arsenal side and the fact that they have had to rely on Jordan, haven't they, to almost pick them up by the scruff of the neck and get them flowing, potentialise them as they should be playing? I think the semi-final game just highlighted how important Leo Vilti is in their midfield. Yeah, They're so true. much happier as, a, as an engine going forward if Daniel van der Donk isn't playing out of position and... I think Joel Montemur is still getting to know his, his his best blend of players. I think they've got enough talent. I don't think it is a worry. That is what Jordan Nobbs does. So mm. that's not relying on her, but she doesn't mind. You know, alongside Kim Little, they're, they're the, the leaders of the team. 
in some ways it's almost handy that they've had a bit of a blip, you know, make them angry, get them going again. I I, I don't think they've got too many concerns for, for being up there top for the, of the rest table of the season. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, and they are only one of the top three not to drop points in the league. They had 82% possession. Are we being a yeah. bit harsh? Awesome. And well over 20 shots as well, Jen. So there was certainly perhaps a case of Arsenal not taking all their chances properly. After the game, Tanya Roxtaby said that the performance will give them some foundation moving forward. And that's what they needed, um, you know, after after a tough time so far. So they've got, is this their first goal of the season, Bristol? Am I, am yes. I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, you are right with that, yeah. Yeah, and Abby Harrison is coming back from an ACL injury she suffered in November. So this is a, for her, it's a personal sort of milestone, getting back to form and, and getting a goal in a, a big game like that. Well, still to come, Lindsay speaks to Spurs superstar Alex Morgan and Chelsea are frustrated at Birmingham. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Amy Lawrence, Nancy Frostick, David Ornstein, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. If you're not yet a subscriber, take out a free 30-day trial right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash offside. We have a player still down. Manchester City will continue. And again, a fabulous... Fabulous effort from Chloe Kelly. What a fantastic strike. Manchester City with the corner and it's flicked in. Ellen White has their fourth. We move on to Manchester City next. So what are the FA Cup finalists? They followed up their semi-final win over Arsenal by beating Spurs 4-1 with two goals from Chloe Kelly. The first was a peach. And a first of the season for Ellen White and a second in four days for United States midfielder Sam Mewis. I think it's worth pointing out here as well, both that City hit the post three times as well. It was looking like a much more convincing performance here. Uh, what were your initial thoughts, Jen? Yeah, because after the stuttering start in the Community Shield and then against Brighton as well, it felt like it might take a while for them to get going under Gareth Taylor. Then the semi-final on Wednesday, they started with real intent and and they carried on against Spurs. They they just look comfortable now and I think that midfield three of Mewis, who he was fantastic. Yeah. And, and Walsh sort of holding is allowing Caroline Weir all this space and she's loving it. And I think that she's the player that we're going to see, you know, in, increasing in terms of her form. She's just looking like she's really enjoying her football. And Chloe Kelly, like right from the first kick of the ball of this season back at Wembley, she's she's looked the real deal. She's the, mm-hmm. been a massive bright spot for for City. They, they look good, City. You know, I think there was question marks maybe a couple of weeks ago that they've been removed. They really do look strong. Well, it feels like it's flowing, doesn't it, first of all? We've touched on Sam Mewis already, but I'm going to start the fan club right here and right now in terms of all the signings coming in. And there is some exceptional talent. It's just great to see one of them bedded in and generally lifting up the quality of the side and contributing so much. Her contribution towards the team is so important and her level of excellence, her level of skill just just brings the whole side up. And that's exactly what these signings are for. And I think we can see that happening at City more than at any other side, I would suggest so far. Ellen White, great for her to get her first goal of the season. As you, And as you said, there could have been many more, Lindsay. City hit the woodwork three times. Um, what did you think about Chloe Kelly's 
high knee when <laughs> when taking a penalty. Jen, I wanted to get your input on this as kind of much more of a former player than either Lindsay or I in terms of skill. She obviously scored that first goal, excellent, curled in from the outside of the box. We loved it. Spurs were a player down and there was a bit of a question mark as to whether play should have been um, allowed to carry on. But this penalty, tell me what you thought. Well, it sort of seemed like a ritual thing. You know, remember Johnny Wilkinson started that whole thing off, yes, but no one Farrell does it. It's like a it's a, it's a muscle memory sort of thing to, to make sure that you go through with that motion without any exterior interference. It, it looks nonsense, though. I mean, it looks ridiculous <laughs> from the outside. But it works. Does oh, it help well, yeah. you generate more power? Oh, crap, I don't think so. No, well, how can it? <laughs> He's hopping like a deer. <laughs> but then... <laughs> It works, so God, until keep doing people it. get used to it. Um, listen, there was an, an, an excellent Spurs Alex Morgan bingo board going around Twitter before the game, but it was completely redundant. She didn't even travel with the side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's going to need a little bit longer, isn't she? Yeah, well, she is, isn't she? Because she came here and she's not fit. She, everybody kind of knew that, but we still wanted to get excited about it, about her being here. They could put the subboard up at 87 minutes, couldn't they, and just let her just run out. There, for three, there wasn't any listen. need for her to travel all that way to. And be away from a daughter for just no, that. No, no. What about Spurs overall, though, Jen? What are your thoughts on the side this season? Yeah, I think that they're just sort of finding their feet as well. I think they made some great, great signings. There were just one or two clubs where you look at Everton and everything seems to have gone swimmingly. You know, they've hit the ground yes, running, whereas other sides, um, Spurs being one of them, and West Ham, who they they came up against on the opening day, that their clubs are just it's just not quite happened for them yet. No. That doesn't mean that they haven't got the quality and it won't click at some point. Okay, well I did get to speak to Alex Morgan in her first press conference as a Spurs player, and she began by talking about the number of her fellow World Cup winners who are now playing over here. It's pretty incredible to see some some US players here as well. All of them somehow landed in Manchester. Not sure how that happened and why I didn't get like the memo that I guess that's the place to be. <laughs> um, or maybe I should have told them London was the place to be. But um, I'm I'm really happy that um, for them and in all their choices, you know, I think every single player had to make a choice that was best for themselves. Some players opted out at the end of the saw tournament or games, some players decided to play and then we saw and some players decided to play elsewhere um, and we all had different reasons behind it yeah I'm really excited to to see all the girls up in, in Manchester and here in London and hosting them. I wondered with football being the national sport here in England does it feel different when you've got so much attention in this country playing with it being the number one priority? Yeah it does feel just I like footballs everywhere, and um, I noticed that, you know, a little bit when we came over with the national team or when we've played here against England, but um, it's just crazy to see just the outreach that um, a singular club can have globally. Um, I don't think I've been a part of a, a club that has their presence in every country supporters so many supporters from the u.s and locally here in london so many people also when i'm wearing my spurs gear really booing me or cheering me or on or seeing me you know walking down the street and and either giving me a nod or giving me a nod in approval or or not um it, it's quite fun to see just how competitive clubs are here and how people are so invested in their teams. That's Alex Morgan talking to me last week and hopefully 
her football will be better than her microphone <laughs> by the time that comes round. Worth saying as well about her being heckled already on the street. Like, welcome to England. <laughs> this is where football is the lifeblood. And you're just getting used to that. I did wonder as well um, whether she was aware of the shirt sales. Have you heard about this, girls? So no, until you told me that her shirts are outselling everyone's I mean just tell me well with the exception, with the exception of Gareth Bale okay yeah okay um, well, she is awesome. outselling pretty much every Spurs player apart from Gareth Bale since he arrived Well, we're also seeing the American effect at Manchester United too. Sales of Kristen Press and Tobin Heath United shirts. They actually outsold any of the United men's players for the first three days after their signing. So there you go. Um, And the World Cup winners came off the bench in uh, Sunday's 3-0 win over Brighton. Heath providing the assist for Jane Ross's late goal. So an essential part already that she seems to be playing. Ella Toon and Alessia Russo with the other goals. Um, United too strong for Hope Pals, Brighton. Jen, what did you make of this? Yeah, Brighton, you know, they defend well and they're strong um, and they try to stand up to United, but in the end, Manchester United's firepower got the better of them. I think it was always only going to be one winner in the game. It was just a case of them doing what they were trying to do a bit better. And then the second half, it was, yeah, United were comfortable. Yeah. And that's why they were able to, to make four substitutions brought on for uh, debutants. Sanifoth got on as well, which is an important signing that United made as, as well as those Americans. Yeah, definitely. And um, Lindsay, in terms of that United team gelling with those two megastars in, how does Casey Stoney get the best out of those two American signings and just make sure that she's still got enough of a balance with the rest of the side? Well, thankfully, there's a lot of competition and a lot of football at the moment. But I, I think what she's really going to do with these two in particular is try and get them to just be the example. You know, she's not going to have these players forever, she, but she needs to get them to show exactly the sort of level that she's after at Manchester United. So keep them in the team, use them as much as possible so that everybody else's levels can can really go up. I think... If by the end of the season, Manchester United have really closed that gap on Arsenal and Chelsea and Manchester City and, and, you know, the points difference isn't anywhere near what it was last season, then she'll be really happy. Now, whether that means that they've broken into the top three or whether it means they're in fourth place, but maybe really, really hot on the heels of the others, I think fans will be delighted with that. But I, I think already you can see that players around them are performing even better. I mean, let's look at Jane Ross as an example, as a striker. We already know what she's capable of. But if you look at her minutes and ratio for goals in comparison to Sam Kerr, I saw this doing the rounds on Twitter. She's got two goals, so Sam Kerr, but she's actually been more clinical with her chances so far. I think that comes from the supply. It comes from the players that you're playing around. And I think that this is really exciting for Manchester United fans. You know, you see that. You see how Russo looked as well. She looked very, very good. Very, very good. And this must be really exciting. And I did feel for Brighton on the flip side. At Brighton, who've looked very strong defensively, I think this was a good time to play them because they've been so busy. They had the FA Cup quarterfinal. They don't have the depth in squad that a lot of the other teams towards the top half of the table in the WSL have got. They'd lost that match to Birmingham. They got this one. I saw them actually on the way back home. I saw them at the services. <laughs> the glamour. And they looked a bit depleted, yeah. I, I, I honestly think that was a great time for Manchester United to play them. I think it's all about a juggling act. And, and Manchester United, 
there's so much potential, isn't there here? You just wonder that when Heath and Press go, what can that, you don't want to keep overusing a word like legacy, but what can that legacy be? And it has to be that the standards have gone up a notch. They've gone up again. Jen, you were on a Zoom, weren't you, with Casey Stoney, United's manager after the match. What, what, what does she have to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, Lindsay's spot on that it is the legacy that she's expecting from those two. She said she signs not because of the name of Heath and Press, but because she makes measured signings and, and they're quality players and they're... Their senior pros, uh, so she expects them to raise the level. Um, I was just there was various things Katie was saying. She, I did ask her about the the four subs or five subs thing. Um, she made the four subs mm. against Brighton, um, and she said she'd actually voted against it because she said, "If I don't understand why we would have it in the women's game if they don't have it in the men's game," mm. and she's an advocate for the women's game. And although she's at a big club, she realizes that is. You know, that's against the smaller clubs who have less resources. But she said, if I've got the opportunity, I'm going to use it. It's it's interesting that she had that view. This is the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Right, next up then, one of those big three, Chelsea, who travelled to Birmingham. Okay, so they might have lost 1-0, but you have to say hats off to Birmingham. Chelsea had 70% possession in this match, 20 shots on goal. It was Fran Kirby who made the breakthrough after 10 minutes with a header that we gave away a bit earlier. Um, It was a frustrating one for Chelsea, this, and credit to Birmingham for being able to do that to this Chelsea side, Jen. Yeah, as we've mentioned a few times, they've had a really demanding a week or two um, and certainly cup competitions and it just shows you Carla Ward's got a few lion hearts in that team and that's great for them going forward because it will be a battle through through the season they were up against uh, yeah world-class talents across that Chelsea side so it was always going to be a tough ask so I, I think they've, they've got to be pretty pleased although maybe they thought they could they could snatch a goal and to keep them to one though is is fantastic I thought it was really interesting with um, Birmingham. They are still yet to put a point on the board this season, but we can see progression there, as we've said. And, Linz, you had a really good interview with with Carla Ward um, in the last episode. And what I took away from it was that um, admission by her that they're not going to compete with the likes of Chelsea, but what they can do is that their will and their desire to win can and will get them across the line. And we saw that last week, but also against Chelsea too. On any other day, it would have been a second goal for Chelsea. Hannah Hampton fumbled the shot, the Birmingham keeper, but Harriet Scott got back and sort of scrambled the ball off the line. An amazing rescue really there. And I thought to myself, you know what? Carla Ward's right. As long as the team are together and they want it enough... When you're at the end of a game, and that was towards the end of the game, and everyone's tired, if Birmingham want it more, then that's where they might come into their own. And I just thought, you know, again, a really good example of how she knows she's not going to beat everyone, but she knows when and what to do in those dying moments of the game that, you know, may well save her side from relegation. And and the supporters were really, really proud of that performance, and I think that sums it up. Yeah, Mm. yeah, definitely. Um, I want to just put a question out there, and it's it's an early query. A huge, huge fan of Beth England last season, one of the best players in WSL, as we know. And I'm just wondering, there was, there was this incredible save from Harriet Scott, and I don't want to take too much away from that, but I, there was a part of me that thought that Beth England would have buried that last season. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering whether she's 
falling victim of this rotation, of the fact that she doesn't know whether she's starting every week. I wonder whether you've actually got a form player that was right in a hot streak who's now not. And and now I look at the Chelsea side and I think, yeah, Fran Kirby's in a hot streak. She's in form. But then there were players that were in real good form that now aren't. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting and salient point and looking at it objectively and um, sort of maybe with the Emma Hayes sort of viewpoint hat on, um, she's got to deal with it because this is a club looking for Euro success. This is a club that wants to win the Champions League. And yes, to be on hot form and scoring every few days is, is ideal, but that is not what the club needs. It needs players who can dip in and dip out and produce the form when asked. That sounds really harsh and cold, doesn't it? But that's what it's going to take to win the Champions League and that is what they want to do. And if they don't do it in 2021, I'll be very surprised if they're not there or thereabouts doing it in 2022. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what Penilla Harder and uh, Leopold's and players like that are there to do, to help them get over that, that finishing line at the top, top level. And Beth England is a, is a quality striker and she needs to be able to, to, to turn up when she's asked Mm. hard isn't I, it but that's 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 the basic no, it, it does feel like that it does feel a bit harsh but you're right uh, I, I guess the other thing because Emma did go quite vocal after the match on on Twitter to do with the fact that she feels the club really are missing supporters as any club are right now and I, I just wondered how much you think it is affecting teams and and Kate I'm sure you'll have picked up on that too I think it's, yeah. yeah, Emma's got a really sort of strong relationship with the supporters groups and always learns all the songs for the players. It's a really nice sort of, <laughs> and she joins in. It, that's a really nice relationship that they have. And I think that they do miss them. There are some clubs who definitely do miss their fans. I think the fact is there aren't any fans there. And I know people are missing them, but they just have to carry on regardless. At least everyone is in the same position. So I get that people are missing fans, but you you kind of just have to deal with what's in front of you, right? Mm, yeah, true. Well, the other game of the weekend saw West Ham lose at home to Reading. Uh, Royals keeper Grace Maloney, if you want to talk about goalkeeping performances from this weekend, well, she was the star of the show, I think, which maybe tells you everything you need to know about this match. Lauren Bruton with the only goal of the game for Reading. Reading, have they recruited as well as we think they have this season, Jen? I think they've got a, a good core there, definitely. The sort of Welsh contingent growing. Mm. Um, it was a, it was a good goal, a ball in from Tash Harding and, and Lauren Bruton sticking a toe in, and it was a it was a game played in pretty grim conditions as well. I think that affected maybe the performance slightly. Um, and Maloney, fantastic save. But they've got Evan Naylor there as well, the New Zealand keeper. So there's competition for, for places there. Daniel Carter will get going. I think you know their two clubs, West Ham, have recruited well. That. They're just not getting consistency yet. They could, no. They'll test big teams on their day, but not every week. And it was also going to be interesting to see how West Ham responded because the last game they played um, was the 9-1 home defeat by Arsenal. So how are they going to return after that? They did have a, have a penalty saved by Grace Maloney. We've talked about how good uh, Maloney was. Uh, it was taken by Kenza Dali. It wasn't meant to be. So it could have been different. You do worry a bit for West Ham. Just one point from their first three games. They know that they've got to improve. And, you know, often Jilly Flaherty, she was obviously suspended for this game, but she did tweet after. Afterwards, um, she, she tweeted on Monday that they're always so much more miserable after a loss on Sunday. But she said, I trust in the girls and Matt Beard and everyone at West Ham Women that we will start to turn results around. How long, Jen, before it becomes a concern? It is difficult. They're in a difficult place, but they've got characters that know that you can 
you, you, you can turn things around. They've got a big game against Everton coming up. That that should be interesting. I think two or three matches and you do start to really worry if you don't get any sort of signs of, of positive encouragement from, from matches. Well, we've threaded it through the show so far, but just to reference the FA Cup final, it's, it's actually funny, isn't it? Because you can win two FA Cups this year, <laughs> if you like. Uh, but Manchester City and Everton are going to contest the final. That's at Wembley on the 1st of November. No crowds for that one, which is a shame as well. But just a quick word um, from you, Jen, on this final. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited for Evan to be there. We were talking about this the other day. I mean, a, a colleague, he thinks that Man City will, will walk it. I don't think that it will. And it will be weird without fans there. And people have been upset with the scheduling, but it was important that it was played. And there was a, a lot of um, planning and jiggery-pokery from the FA and they needed to get a special dispensation from FIFA to allow this to happen. Wow. Um, with the new sponsor in, I, I think it's important and it should be It should be really enjoyable occasion live on BBC One on a Sunday afternoon. So as long as it's a, as football wins, then we'll all be over Yes, and I'm all up for jiggery-pokery from the FA. <laughs> I look forward to seeing more of that during the season. Well, no sooner is one cup competition drawing to a close. Another begins, but this time the Continental Cup fixtures are arriving this week. That's for the League Cup. Uh, Jen, remind us how this one works. So these are the opening rounds of the group stages. We've got Chelsea against Arsenal, Man City against Everton. Um, are those the picks of the round? Yeah, I think Liverpool-Man United is kind of interesting as well. It's an echo of Man U's first ever game, yes. a competitive yes. game at this, yeah. this sort of level two years ago. Villa-Sheffield United, I think, is quite interesting to see how how far have Villa sort of advanced now that they've made the, the step up. I loved how much enthusiasm you put into your intro there for the Continental Cup. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't normally get that much razzmatazz, does it? It's, We're a generous bunch here at the Group C is... Group C, though, that's so that's what Liverpool, Man U, Man City, and Everton. There's going to be some really good games in in that, which you know you would you would think would have signify as to what will happen in yeah. league matches. And we get a little hint um, ahead of the FA Cup final, don't we? Because City and Everton are facing off. Yeah, how much will they sort of? How many of the cards will they show? Yes, Man City yes. rested Bronze and um, Stokes, didn't they, on Sunday? I thought that was quite interesting. And Stanway, mm. and they still looked really good with Greenwood and Morgan. They back. are not going to show their hands in this fixture. I, I really guarantee there will be so many debuts for academy players in that match. Do you not think? We'll see. I think it's a, it's a competition clubs want to win. It's just how they balance yeah. it. And it is a, mm. is a tough week. Well, let's do a speedy look through the weekend fixtures as well because there are no Premier League fixtures with international duty. It is a real chance for women's football to really get the spotlight it deserves. I suppose the big game for this one is on Sunday, Chelsea against Manchester City. Um, on Saturday as well, you've got Spurs, Man United. There's Brighton, Arsenal, Everton versus West Ham, Reading against Birmingham and at the bottom, Bristol City against Villa. If you could pick any of those out, Jen, which one would you choose? <laughs> what do you think I'm going? to say <laughs> I do like a little clap I'm clapping my hands Chelsea Man City on Sunday is a corker maybe we'll see a Morgan a glimpse of Morgan on Saturday a glimpse yeah she is at home she hasn't got to be yeah. far well, away travelling also she's got some international pals hasn't she in the other side so surely she'll be wanting to get out to say a quick hi on the yeah. pitch but Chelsea oh, yeah, we'll City definitely God. get we'll get one of those elbow tap shots with um, Heath and Press <laughs> won't we <laughs> 
Well, there it's all there for us to enjoy. So um, another week of fixtures upon us. Uh, thank you very much to Jen. We've also had Izzy Christensen on the show and a little Dalek-like Alex Morgan as well. <laughs> to see of the press conference. Alex Morgan with a superimposed voice effect. That was absolutely on purpose, by the way, guys, if you're listening to that. We uh, we actually wanted to make Alex Morgan sound like that, didn't we? We did. <laughs> um, Jen, thank you to you. Um, next issue of She Kicks, tell us when's it out and tell us how people can find out more about you. Well, it's just out, issue 63, so get onto shekicks.net website and... Um... You can have a search around and you can find the shop and uh, buy yourself a digital or a print copy and have a laugh. <laughs> Fantastic. Don't forget, if you want to find out more about us, head to offsiderulepodcast.com. We have a five things um, there, which regularly rounds up the WSL and the women's football action. We do as well have a brand new weekly piece, Lindsay. Rich Laverty has come full circle and returns to the Offside Rule fold. He'll be doing a weekly opinion column. That'll be out every Wednesday. Yeah, make sure you check that out. And a little reminder as well to please rate and review wherever you get the podcast. It will help other people to find the show Jen O'Neill thank you very much from me Kate it's goodbye and from me Lindsay as well bye 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 you've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition part of the Athletic Podcast Network keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad free on the Athletic app the Offside Rule WSL edition is a Money Knees Media production Muddy Knees Media.